Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Gabriel Talks Football, and Greg will be with us just in just a moment. I want to uh, alert you of a couple of programming notes. The uh, White Sox will get your attention uh, tonight with South Burbs Hitman, and their guest is Phil Selig, not the former commissioner, but the guy who does the Cuba Dugout website, and if you have not seen that, you really should, because he details and chronicles a lot of the Cuban baseball players who eventually make their way to the major leagues. And of course, the White Sox have a, a number of those players and a couple of uh, prospects in that Cuban pipeline. So Phil Selig will talk about all of those players. And then tomorrow we have a very, very special guest scheduled to join the Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls show. And that is former Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Jim McMahon. So you can imagine if you follow the Dan and Aldo show, just how excited Dan Aguirre is right now because he knows every stat, every game, everything. So this is going to be quite a different interview, I think, than perhaps Jim has done in the past because it's really going to delve into uh, his memory banks of uh, some of the exploits of uh, his time here with the Chicago Bears. So that should be really interesting. But you folks are here to talk draft, and there's nobody better to talk the draft with than this gentleman right here, Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing good. You were telling me just before we went on that you're a little tired right now. <laughs> well, I just, I, I got up early. Hell, it's like, it's like it's the end of the day already. <laughs> yeah, when... Uh, when you get up at 2.45 in the morning and, uh, and it's 1 p.m., yeah, you're going to be feeling a little tired. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have uh, graced us with the scouting of uh, over a dozen players. So uh, let's get right into it. My first question for you is how do you uh, evaluate this entire crop of NFL cornerback prospects for the 2022 draft? You know, I, I think it's a, a pretty good group. Uh, you, you could see as many as four or five go in the first round. Now, what's what's interesting is that, you know, no matter how, say, I would have them stacked versus uh, a Dane Brugler versus a club, they're all going to be different. And, and the reason being is, especially with the clubs, is you're stacking players according to the skill set that you're looking for to play the position for your team. So, you know, and, and you can go back. Teams like, you know, when L. Davis was at the Raiders, he wanted press man corners. Mm-hmm. He could care less if they could play zone or play off. As long as they could play press, they were fine and, and be physical. Well, and w- when Lovey was here, you know, the Tampa, to, it, it's misnomer. They think the Tampa 2 is a, is a zone predominant, scheme. And when it started under Tony Dungy, yes, it was, but it's, it's grown considerably. Uh, we played, we had two pretty good man cover guys in, in uh, Nate Vasher and Peanut Tillman. And we played a lot of man and played zone. So you, you know, you switch things up now I'm talking to people who've been around coach Eberflus. He's even taken it a step further Plays, he plays press, he plays off, he plays zone, he plays, uh, he does, his scheme is a lot more sophisticated than this same scheme was when Lovey was here. Mm-hmm. He does a lot more with it. He disguises coverages, disguises blitzes and things a lot more than, than, than Lovey does. So it, it, it's kind of tough to, 
say, okay, this is going to be the guy that you'd earmark to be a Chicago bear because they have never come back and said, um, you know, what they're looking for at, at any position, really, you know, they, they've been very, very vague and, and rightly so. So, you know, what's the skill set? What are the, what's the traits they're looking for in each position? I'm assuming that they want somebody that is pretty fluent in all three areas of coverage. And the toughest part coverage to play for a corner is man off because you've got to be, you got to have obviously the skill set of a zone player and the skill set of a press man player, but you're not playing up in his face. So you got to anticipate really well. You got to have great suddenness. Uh, you can't be fooled by fakes, double moves, things like that. So you got to be disciplined within that coverage and you're still not getting your hands on it. Another thing that you have to look at when you're looking at college corners versus what they're going to do in, in the NFL is the NFL, you know, you got that five yard rule. You mm -hmm. can press a guy, get your hands on a guy for five yards. After that, supposedly you got to take your hands off the guy. Well, in college, you can mug them all the way down the field mm -hmm. as long as the ball's not in the air. Right. And there's a lot of college corners that you see that we call very handsy, mm -hmm. so to speak. And and if they try to do that at our level, part of it is they do it. They do grabbing and stuff like that to, to make sure they don't lose the guy. Well, you can't do that in our league. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, they got to grow as coverage guys once they get here. So knowing what's going on upstairs, what they're able to adapt to, you know, that's for somebody on the outside without making a school call, talking to coaches and stuff, or having them, you know, doing a private workout with them and stuff, it, you know, that's kind of hard to do. So it's just, there's some guys here that I really like, and they might be great players in the NFL, but I don't know if they're going to be fits for this scheme because until they tell us exactly what they want, you know, we're, we're, we're throwing a dart at the wall. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we've got a lot of darts to throw today, but before we get to uh, your player, first player evaluation, CJ Williams has this question. Is it better to have man corners and teach zone or change the scheme to a man scheme? What, what, what kind of guys are more flexible to, to teach you think? Well, you got to be able to play man. So it, it's man first, and then do they have the, excuse me, the smarts and the instincts. Mm -hmm. Instincts are very, very important to a defensive back. And let me add this, too, while I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. There's a couple guys here that I'm going to say they might be better off inside playing safety. Okay. But in saying that, it's easier said than done. I remember uh, – working with John Hoke for a number of years here. He was one of the deep and, and, and lovey had some great defensive back coaches. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, Keith Wilkes and, and John Hoke and uh, uh, Perry uh, Sewell. They're all excellent, excellent coaches. Each real strong in his own way. Uh, Hoke, might have been the best that I've been around 
anywhere in all the years I've been in the league. And we were talking, and Hoke and I would watch tape together trying to, to, to stack the defensive backs. First we do corners, then we do uh, safeties and, and, you know, the weeks leading up to the draft. And, you know, so I might mention, uh, maybe we can move him inside. And he's the one who really said, that's not the easiest thing in the world, you know. He can't say, oh, I can't play corner, he'll play safety. And, and the reason is this, when you're playing a corner, you're basically covering one quarter of the field right. that one side, and you're seeing the game from the side. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, total. Where a safety sees the whole field. Mm -hmm. And so his reactions and his instincts are totally different because he's got things coming from him from every direction, mm -hmm. so to speak. And his awareness has got to be superb. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just to say a guy can do that, you know, we're really throwing a dart at the wall. Yeah. Because you don't know, you know, how, how, how intelligent the guy is, how instinctive the guy is. And, and there's a lot of guys that can do it, and they do it without a problem. But there's other guys you move inside and they're lost. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Um, uh, Jordan adds that uh, asking somebody to play inside is no easy task because they have to have great hip fluidity and be able to flip the hips to play the entire route tree as it's all available from the hash. Um, that's, I think, a good observation. Well, when you're say he's saying maybe inside from like a slot corner? Yeah. Okay, okay. Now I'm talking moving corner to safety, not necessarily okay. – Slot, but a, a, a slot guy's got to have suddenness. But here's what happens. I mean, football's a chess game. We all know that. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a little slot guy, what are some teams going to do to win the advantage? You're going to put a big guy into the slot. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, and know who does that a lot? Green Bay. Mm. You know, you see Devontae Adams coming in and playing the slot a lot. Or you see Lazard play the slot. Uh, or, or one of those other guys, you know, come in and play the slot, and you got a 5'10 guy, 5'9 guy on there, and that is, you know, can make it, uh, you know, a, a mismatch as far as the, the matchup goes. Mm -hmm. Now, one other thing I want to mention, when Coach Flus was with the Colts, they preferred not to draft any corner shorter than five, ten and a half. Mm. That was their, their cutoff line. Now that's not to say you won't take a veteran because the mm -hmm. veterans proved he can play in the, in the league. And a perfect example is uh, the slot corner. They just signed Tavon young, who was, you know, with the Ravens. And before that he went to temple mm -hmm. and he's, he's five, nine and three eights. So, but he's got long arms for a, a, a five, nine guy. Mm -hmm. So he's proven he can play slot and played slot against bigger guys in the league. So you throw out the, the height limit, mm -hmm. but you don't want to bring in a guy cold from the draft that doesn't meet your minimum standards. Right. Like uh, Kenny Moore is an example of a, uh, the Colts. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent, I believe, and ends up uh, – being a starter and, and mm -hmm. doing really well for the Colts. And again, when you, when you get to a UDFA, it's a different story because then you're trying to take 
you know, you're looking at at skills, athleticism, you know, what's he have going for him? Right. You know, his speed, athletic numbers, things like that. But when you're drafting a guy, you you have minimums that you want. And, and, and I go back to the, you know, the defense we had here under Dick Sharon versus the defense with Lovey. You know, Dick had all these big elephants playing on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. None of those guys, except Alex Brown, who played one year with Dick, could play in Lovey's scheme. Mm-hmm. So, and none of them did. We got rid of them before camp even started. <laughs> you know, so that was Philip Daniels, Washington, and Keith Trailer. So you don't, you know, you it's the old square peg round hole thing. Sure. D- d- don't don't do that. Don't even try to do it. Try to guy try to get guys who are fits for your scheme. And it doesn't matter if it's the line, the linebackers, or in the in the defensive backfield. Well, and the uh, uh, management team with the Chicago Bears has said that they are going to be a bit flexible and coach to the talents of the players that they end up with. So if you can't find anybody to fit the scheme, hopefully they'll make the necessary adjustments as they promised to do to uh, ensure that those players are playing at their peak abilities. We saw with the Matt Nagy uh, Chicago Bears that that wasn't always the case. Fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. All right, let's start. Uh, 15 players to go through. The first couple are probably going to be out of reach for the Chicago Bears. I should say will be out of reach for the Chicago Bears. The first one that you've highlighted is Andrew Booth. Right. Now, we can say he's going to be out of reach, but maybe not. On tape, yes, he he, he should be gone. But, and it's a big but, mm-hmm. and I've, I've had – Two discrepancies. He, he's got a double hernia, and he's having surgery. So he didn't work out at the combine, didn't work out at the pro day. So the, there's no athletic numbers on Andrew Booth at all. You got a height, a weight, and arm length, wow. and that's it. So I've read that the surgery is not till April 21st. Hell, that's a, that's a week before the draft. That's a week from next Thursday. Wow. Um, then I've also read that he was supposed to have it right after their pro day. Mm-hmm. So I don't know which one is which. I'm going to assume that sometime next week is going to be the recheck physicals. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't think it's going to be this weekend because it's Easter weekend. Uh, though it could be. It could very well be Saturday, Friday and Saturday. Um, and I'll, I'll make a call to find out when, when the uh, rechecks are. But if he's having surgery next week, mm-hmm. the rechecks aren't even going to mean anything because the surgery hasn't taken place. And you want to know when the guy's going to be ready to step on the field. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and that's real, real imp- imp- important. You know, so if it's a guy that's going to, you know, the recovery process, and I don't know anything about double hernias. So if the recovery process is going to be months long, he's going to miss your entire, and he's going, he's going to miss the off-season program. There's no question. But if he's going to miss part of training camp, then how does that, or what does that mean with him getting drafted? Our team's going to be a little bit more cautious and push him down the board a little bit because he won't be ready to play. 
And I, and I think that's an unanswered question. Some team may say, screw it, we're going to take him. He's talented. If we got to wait a year for him or wait, you know, an extra two months for him, so what? He's that talented. You know, and he can learn a lot about the mental part of the game while he's doing his rehab. It's just, you know, how serious is the rehab? Somebody's ever had a double surgery and the, or a double hernia surgery and wants to throw it in on here while we're talking, you know, feel free. But just to give you some notes on him, I says he's got very good size and length. He's strong. He takes on blocks well. He sheds quickly. He's got a good pedal and turn, plays ball well. Now, he does a lot of side saddle in their scheme, mm-hmm. but he's shown he can pedal and turn. And the side saddle is just the way they, they teach it in their, their uh, particular scheme. He will give up some underneath uh, stuff at times, uh, and he will bite on some, some pump fakes. But overall, his, his cover skills are pretty good. I said the state of health will be, uh, uh, will be very, very important as to where he gets drafted. I'm going to assume right off the bat he's going in the first round. But the question mark is, will he drop because of the surgery and how late he's having the surgery? Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah, know, I'm wondering why he didn't do it like right after the combine. Yeah, that's is that a red flag? You think you know somebody who puts off surgery, you know, and probably wants to enjoy their off season and 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 let the rehab begin at a time that you should be attending OTAs. You know. He might not have been able to do it then. I don't know. It might have been a case where he thought he could go by the pro day mm-hmm. and then wasn't, and then the situation got worse. I don't have the answer, so I'm not going to throw shit at the wall and sure. say, you know, and hope hope something sticks. Mm-hmm. The uh, the name Jeffrey Okuda came up in the chat, and I thought it was interesting because he had the, what was it? He had a, a an Achilles injury, which is, and he was like the fourth overall pick, if I remember correctly, for the Detroit Lions, and and it's turning out that he might be an, uh, a huge bust. So uh, and perhaps there's no parallel hill between him and uh, and and Booth, but there is a concern, of course, you know, of of guys who have histories of injuries just not turning out well. Well, hernia isn't necessarily that bad an injury. Yeah, he had an ankle. Booth had an ankle injury, I think, early last season. But the, you know, the hernia, it's not not a knee. It's not an ankle. You know, it's in his gut. And and that can be fixed. It's just how how long is he going to be out? And, and when is he going to be able to step on the field and start to practice in a meaningful way? And I have no way of answering that. I don't think any of us do. So, enough with Booth. So, I, put it this way. It wouldn't shock me if he gets out of the first round, and it mm-hmm. wouldn't shock me if he goes between 20 and 30 mm-hmm. or something. You know, I mean, the, the play says that's where he goes. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even a little higher, but the, you know, the question mark, is, is that he has he has a need for the surgery and has to get it fixed. Very good. Let's move on to uh, Trent McDuffie, who is a guy who played really well at, in high school. He got offers uh, scholarship offers from Alabama, LSU, Michigan, Notre Dame, and Oregon. He decided to go to Washington. And uh, what's your take on uh, Trent McDuffie? 
His tape is exciting. He's he's five ten and three quarters, so five ten six, one hundred ninety three pounds. He runs a four four four. He's good in all phases of the game. He's got one negative, <laughs> and he's got short arms. He's got it, and but they're not as short as Roger McCreary. They're twenty nine and, and seven eighths. So on a good day, you might get him in at even thirty. But yeah, that that's going to be a red flag to some teams. Mm-hmm. He's very good man and zone. Uh, he, he, you know, he's he plays with a cocky attitude, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very quick in his ability to transition, meaning going from a, going backwards to forwards. There's no wasted steps. He's got very good man uh, mirror skills when he's in man coverage. Uh, he lacks ideal length. That's the big uh, uh, negative with him. But you're going to love his tape. He's aggressive. He plays the run well. Uh, another concern, only two two career interceptions. Now, you can look at that two ways. Mm-hmm. You look at a lot of tape, nobody throws at him. So, <laughs> but, you know, still, you're going to want to, when you work him out, you're going to want to test his hands and find out exactly what what his hands are like because two career interceptions is concerning. Well, and with those small hands too, <laughs> you know, so uh, that, that, well, means- you know, I, I, I'll tell you what, now, do you think Tyreek Hill's got good hands? Tyreek Hill? Uh, no. The wide receiver? <laughs> of course <No>. he does. <laughs> okay. You know what his hands are? Are they smaller than Eight. McDuffie's? Oh, Eight. really? <laughs> so I've never seen hands that small on him because I looked it up one day just to see. Yeah, eight-inch hands. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, we're, we're so hand size is it a, 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 a more important for certain positions? You would think wide receiver; it's an important position. Uh, yeah, but it, it, you know we've we've talked about this before. It's who's doing the measurement and are they, are they doing it right? <laughs> yes, you right. know, are they doing it with his hand like this, uh-huh, uh-huh. or are they spread those things out like this? Yeah, yeah, sure. And I, you know, I got a little screwed up. Yeah, I noticed that little little finger. That's an old football injury, and both my thumbs have been fused, so I can't. If you measured my hands right now, they'd be about a half inch, maybe a little more, smaller than they were ten years ago, mm-hmm. because of the surgeries. Wow, that is uh, something that sounds painful to me, Greg. <laughs> Was it? Um, no, they put you out, but, <laughs> but, but, but afterwards, uh, no, actually, no, it, it, it wasn't painful. I, I, I got some pictures in my phone, but it, it, it's, uh, it didn't look very nice, mm-hmm. you know, because it was all red and black and blue up to here. And Ooh, then you yeah. got to get, but you got to get your range of motion back, which I got, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fine, but it, it's when you, they fuse your thumb, this is the joint right here that's fused. Mm-hmm. So it's like one bone from here to here versus two bones. I can't bend this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And on both hands is a congenital thing. Mm. I had, you know, one done, one done was done four years ago. This one was done back in the nineties. That um, is, I've, I've had toe surgery, and to this day on cold days, uh, it's like I can feel every one of the pins inside my toe. Um, so it, it's something that can, when you have surgery like that, it can it can hamper you 
to a degree uh, as you get older, but not nothing for these players to worry about, at least. Um, Roger McCurry is our next player on the list, and he is from Kentucky, and a lot of people are anxious to get your thoughts on it. No, he's he from Auburn. He's from Auburn. Excuse me, Auburn. My, my apologies. Now, he graduated with a degree in inter, interdisciplinary studies, uh, focusing on business, sports coaching, and psychology. So That sounds like an Auburn football major. <laughs> Just get him through glasses. <laughs> uh, so uh, your concern with him, as you've stated before on this show, uh, is arm length. Oh, yeah. I mean – I have never seen a corner with arms under 29 inches. Mm -hmm. They're 28 and seven eighths. Now here's another thing too, because you get two measurements. You get the arm length and you get the wingspan. Mm -hmm. And the wingspan is, you know, your arms are extended out. And so it's, it's the tip of, of your middle finger on one hand to the tip of the middle finger on the other hand, you know, measuring across your back. Well, in, in theory, you want the wingspan to be longer than a guy's height. Okay, so Roger McCreary is 5'11", so that's 71 inches, correct? Right. Is my, is my math right? Am it I, I, I going to pass math today? I think you are. <laughs> okay, well, his wingspan is 70 and 5'8". Mm. So not only does he have a short arm, but his wingspan is short too. Mm -hmm. and, and you're going to see most of the guys might have a wingspan at least an inch and sometimes three, four inches longer than their height. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and those are the guys that, that obviously have length. Now, Roger McCurry's tape is very good. There's no question. Uh, he, he plays well in a good conference against good receivers. He you know, he, he's not a blazer or burner. He only runs 4.50. And then I think he ran 4.52 at his pro day, trying to run faster, and he didn't run faster. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, the tape is good. He's competitive. He makes plays on the ball. He gets interceptions, plays the run. The arm length is going to be a turnoff to some teams. Mm -hmm. Now, most people I've talked to say he is a slot corner only. And so – and, and hoping that he plays against, you know, smaller receivers and then his length won't be a detriment. Mm -hmm. So to me, he's a wild card. I mean, he's going to go, I've talked to a couple of GMs and they have, they have concerns mm -hmm. and, and because you've got minimums and, you know, I know there's people out there listening and they're going, yeah, but his tape is great. Yeah. But people have minimums and they go by those minimums mm -hmm. and, People fail because they don't meet the minimums because the, because the don't forget the guys you're playing they know what his measurables are too mm -hmm. and so they're gonna they're gonna you know try to get any advantage they can against him so you know my gut feeling is he's not going to be as good a pro as he is a a, a college player mm -hmm. and that he won't be around as long as as his draft status says he should because hmm. I don't think he gets out of the second round. Right. Now, personally, I don't think with, with the Bears signing Tony right. or Tavon Young, rather, I, I think he's totally out of the picture because hmm. Tavon Young is their slot. Is the he's, slot. One of the, he's the one of the better slot 
corners in the league. If you go back and you watch Ravens tape, he's really good. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he's had some injuries, but aside from that, his, when, when he's healthy, he plays really, really well. So I think this guy's now watch he'll draft him, but I, I, I just don't, <laughs> I, I don't think he meets the criteria they're looking for. And I think he's strictly an inside guy. Now, I still have hope for Kendall Vildor, and I think that you do too. So would it be – But he's an, he's an outside guy. He's not really an inside guy. And he's got – you know, he's 5'10", but he's got 32-inch arms or 32-inch quarter arms, which makes him taller. You know, he's mm -hmm. got very, very long arms for his height. Uh, they got some pretty good DB coaches here coming in. Right. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see – he, he's got a year with a lot of play time. Now will he take what he learned last year plus with the new coaching this year and, and just put it all together. And I don't think we have an answer. I mean, right now you look at this team on paper and you got two corners, mm -hmm. you got Johnson and now you got young mm -hmm. and, and young's a slot guy. After that, it's a question mark. Right. There's guys you hope, you know, you, you you hope the kid from from Oregon last year can be a player, but and he flashed at the end of the season when he got an opportunity to play. But fact, and I tweeted this over the weekend. Fact of the matter is, though, he was not a good practice player. Mm -hmm. You know, especially during training camp. So he did not have the trust of the of last year's coaching staff, mm -hmm. and that's why he was inactive for a lot of games. Oh. Okay, so but when he got a chance to play, in other you know, to me it looks like he's he's a gamer. You know, he, he might not practice for the damn, but he plays well in games, and his college tape is good. Mm -hmm. But you know, the guy went a lot later than you would think somebody with his skill set. Now he opted out, so he he missed that year, and uh, you know, some teams bang guys for that. So he did not play in the in the uh, 2020 season, right? So he hadn't played since 19, and and you know who knows what the Oregon coaches had to say about him. I mean, we're not privy to that information, but yeah, very very talented guy in a very brief uh, playtime mm -hmm. that he had. So we just don't know. He he he's another question mark. You hope that he can be a good player. None of us know. All right. And uh, we will move on now. This guy is a, is a player that really, really intrigues me. I saw his – well, I, I didn't study tape. I watched a couple of his highlight reels. And my goodness, is this guy a player, Kair Elam. Now, what's interesting about him is the bloodlines. His uncle was a first-round pick in the 2000s. Yeah, but his uncle was a, was a bust now. Yeah, he yeah, was a bust. That is true. And right. his uh, and his uncle was on my DC team. Oh, is that right, Matt? Yeah, really. Yeah. Yes, and his uncle is a royal a hole. Oh my goodness! So, uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to hold that against here. We 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 kicked Elam off the team uh -huh. because of incident on a plane coming back, and I'm not oh. going to repeat that incident on the plane. Yeah, um, sure. but it was coming back from our trip out to LA, I think. And, 
we uh, we cut them the next morning. Oh, well, that's too bad. Uh, and, you know, that's not the kind of player any team wants, and hopefully the Bears are going to keep players like that out. And as you just said, that doesn't uh, mean anything about career, Elam. Uh, but uh, I was also going to add that his younger sister is was a high school track star and is currently a sprinter with that Florida Atlantic track team. So there are some bloodlines there of athleticism. But when you watch the tape on Kair, what what's your assessment? Really like the player. No, he reminds me of a little bit of his peanut. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he's well peanut coming out. Okay. Okay. So he he's. Got similar size. He's six one and a half, one ninety one. He runs a four three nine. He's tall, long, smooth. Got a real smooth turn. He's a very good press man cover guy, mm-hmm. uh, and and he's good in zone. He's going to need to. He hasn't played a lot of man off, and so that's you know the anticipation skills that you need and off are going to have to be developed because he just hasn't done it. Um, he's, he's inconsistent as a tackler. And by that, I mean, he just, he hits people. He doesn't always rap. In fact, I'm going to say that as a group, a lot of these guys, and, and you go back and you, and you listen to, to college coaches and even pro coaches used to practice tackling a lot during preseason practice. Nobody practices it anymore because they don't want guys to get hurt. And so the result is guys are shitty tacklers. Mm-hmm. And this guy, he, he he misses his fair share. And a lot of it is because he just doesn't wrap up. You'll throw his body and he's not afraid to hit people. You got to hit and wrap. Uh, what else do I got here on him? I said, overall, I like I, I like his game. His overall game, his ball skills, hands are very good. I see him as a starter as soon as he comes in for, for just about any team, unless they got a couple all pros at the corner position already. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I do not I, – I, well, I'm not going to say I don't think. I think it's 50-50 whether he's there for the Bears at, at 39. Yeah. And I'm with Chris Watts here who says tackling is a dying art and it's dying faster and faster with these CBA agreements that limit the amount of practice times and off-season practices and so forth. It uh, really is tough. I hope that this coaching staff can somehow figure out a way to improve this team's tackling under these CBA rules. Well, you know, there's a – somebody from an Ivy League school – came up with this device and I don't know what you call it, but it's like a, a, one of these tall, you know, like four and a half, five foot dummies bags. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. And it's on, it's motorized. Mm -hmm. So it can move. It can change. It can change direction and go sideways, forward, back and everything. Yeah. Well, you can practice your tackling on something like that. Yeah. You can hit it and you can wrap up. Now, obviously it's not a, a person running hard, mm-hmm. but you can hit a moving tackle, a moving object, mm-hmm. and and practice your hit and your wrap up on that. Mm-hmm. And so there's got if, if you they're not going to allow you to hit real people, then it, it hit a moving dummy that you know at least can have some elusiveness to it or whatever. And where you can perfect the the skill set, 
needed. You get you have to if, if you can't do it the real way, you got to come up with some innovative way to do it. Yeah. The last several years, I've noticed the, the the big round donuts that have been used. I first saw them at Packers camp, and now uh, uh, at Family Day, I saw them over at the Bears. Uh, the Bears were using them, but I'm not sure if you know how much that helps. But these big foamy donut shaped uh, uh, tackling dummies is uh, in- interesting to see the players hit that thing. Um, all right, let's move on to our next uh, player, Kyler Gordon, another guy out of Washington. And this guy was actually a, a, a one-year starter uh, and then lost his job to Trent McDuffie, who you just talked about. He's worked his way back up on the depth chart, and he's got a lot of good tape, doesn't he? He's got some great tape. The, the negative is one-year starter, mm-hmm. uh, mostly been a backup. Uh, he doesn't have the experience that McDuffie has, but this guy's a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. And he and he's got good tape. Another guy like Elam, in that I think it's it's fifty fifty that he gets into the second round. Doesn't shock me if he. You know, I I've said this a, a number of times. You got guys I call them twenty to forty guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all grouped together, and and you know he he could go in the twenties. He might not go to thirty five to forty, forty two or something like that. Um, and, and different teams are going to look at him different ways. So to me, that's that's going to be the area he goes. He's talented. He can play. I think he could be a starter right away. He's a little undisciplined. And part of that is his, his lack of, of starting experience. But his tape, when he's playing, his mm-hmm. tape is pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't run good. Four, five, two. Now, mm-hmm. he didn't run again on the pro day. He looks like he's faster. He plays faster than four or five two. Mm-hmm. And I looked up just to, you know, a lot of people get glued to the stopwatch. Mm. And Xavier Howard from the Dolphins just got a huge extension last week. Right. And he's considered one of the better corners in the league. Mm-hmm. He ran four five seven. <laughs> it's all it, it, you can make up for speed by having a high football IQ. And quickness, what other traits quickness, can help? Quick, you, you, quickness. You got to have okay. quick feet, the suddenness, the, mm-hmm. uh, the transition quickness. So when I say the transition, it's going from a back pedal to closing. And there's guys, and there's a guy we're going to get to that I'm going to talk about because I saw a tape of him working with a coach out in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And his transition, he you know would chop his steps, you know, before he, you know, the doing that, that W drill. Excuse me, that W drill yeah, that they do at the combine. <clears throat> he'd get to the top of that drill and he'd take like two or three choppy steps before we'd go forward. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. It's got to be one movement. Mm-hmm. You know, that back foot hits and boom, plant and go. Mm-hmm. And so that, that can be, you know, just having the great feet mm-hmm. can make a four, five, seven guy like Howard Mm-hmm. become a four or five or a four, four, eight guy wow. because he doesn't waste any steps. That's fascinating. And he, and he knows, and he knows positioning. That's fascinating. Let me write that down. That's a commercial there. <laughs> 40, 33. But, right. I, you know, I said, overall, this guy's, he's raw. Now, how about this? Mm-hmm. Now he didn't run. I, I put this in my notes here. He didn't run very good. Four five two, right? His three cone was six six seven, and his twenty shuttle is three nine six. 
Right. They're the, be the best in the whole corner group. Wow. Just about. You know, I might be one guy that was better. I mean, and, and we're going to get to the one guy who was a little better, mm -hmm. and it was exceptional. But but that six six seven three cone, mm -hmm. you know, they're very, very strict with how they run that. You can't – your inside hand can't touch the ground. So you got to stay up on your feet mm -hmm. going around those turns. And to do it that fast, that shows you how quick his feet are and how sudden he is and how fluid his hips are. Fascinating. All right, let's move this on. And our next guy is Cam Taylor Britt, the guy who uh, graduated with a degree in criminology at Nebraska. Uh, so hopefully he can bring that kind of criminal behavior onto the football field <laughs> in a good way. I mean, uh, what, what's your take on Cam Taylor Britt? Yeah, he, this is a guy that guys I've talked to around the league like a little better than I do. Uh, he's got a complete game. He is a fit for what the Bears do. No question about it. And, and by the way, the next guy is, you know, the one I forgot to give you the name yesterday. Yeah. Damari Matt. He's going to be next, just so you know. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay. Uh, the he's got decent size, not great size. He's 5'10 and a half, 196, but he runs 439. Um, now here's the one thing that jumped out looking at his, his combine weight was 196. Mm -hmm. Less than a month later at his pro day, he was 207. Mm. What's the problem here? Uh, uh, do you have a lot of donuts in that three weeks or what? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So, uh, but th that, that can be concerning. Mm. Um, Great speed. His jumps, and I, I guess I didn't write the jumps down, but his jumps were not indicative of what his speed is. A lot of times you get a guy who can run like that, uh -huh. they jump out of the room too. So, uh, But he wasn't like that. Uh, but, he, he, you know, he can play off. He can play man. He can play zone. He's alert. He's got good ball skills. He's a leader. He's excellent in transition. Um there's really, you know, I think he's got six career interceptions. He'll support and hit and, and hit and run support. He does get out of control sometimes. He's chasing so hard that, you know, he doesn't break down before he makes the tackle. And then, you know, a guy can put a little move on him and he'll miss. Mm -hmm. So that's just a matter of, of getting himself under control before he makes the hit. And he doesn't consistently wrap. But all told, his, his tape is pretty good. I mean, mm -hmm. I can see him coming in and, and, and in the right situation, being a starter. What somebody say? Taylor Britt to me is just solid. That's not a bad thing. Okay. Um, like I say, I've talked to people around the league and there's people around the league and this is three or four people mm -hmm. that I really respect. And they got them higher than I did. Mm. You know, they, they got them as a solid second round guy. Mm. So, uh, and I don't disagree with our listener, there because I'm I'm not as high on him as guys in the league. I put him in here because what the guys in the league told me about him. By the way, that vertical jump was 33 and a half. Uh, yeah, that's very, very average. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. So let's move on to uh Demarius uh, Mathis. Demari Demari Mathis from Pitt. Now yeah, yeah I'd say the difference in jumps because mm -hmm. what 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 did I say Britt ran? He ran 
439. Right. Okay, DeMar Mathis ran 439 too. He jumps his vertical jump is 10 inches higher. Wow. <laughs> and his and his broad a 43 and a half vertical jump and an 11 one long jump. Mm -hmm. Just looking at his numbers, mm -hmm. he's 439, 5'11 and an eighth, 196 pounds, 439. He's got almost 32 inch arms, 31 and 7 eighths inch arms. A 43 and a half inch vertical and an 11 1 broad jump. Mm -hmm. He's going high just on those numbers. Mm -hmm. And his tape ain't bad. But he, you know, when, you, when you've got traits like that, coaches are going to say, I remember sitting with Lovey. I got to have that guy. Mm -hmm. You know, there's certain guys when he, he just sees those numbers, and there's a lot of coaches like that. They see those numbers and they go, I'm going to make him a player. Mm -hmm. You know, so. Overall, though, I said very good athlete. He's got rare explosion, and that's that those leaping numbers. Usually pretty good with man cover, but at times he's going to lose his guy, like on comeback routes or or uh, double moves, things like that. Mm -hmm. He his his mirror skills, they're good. They're not elite, okay. But he's got the traits to to do that. I said, got good hands, good ball reaction. He can be aggressive in support, but he'll get out of control. And that's just similar to the guy from Nebraska a minute ago. Um, he's known as a big hitter, but mm -hmm. he will have his fair share. And I could say this about half of these guys. You know, they miss a lot of tackles because they don't practice the damn skill. <laughs> I, I just said – Overall, he needs to be a more disciplined football player. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm not. I, I'm not sure if he can start as a rookie. You got to see him. You know, I go back to Lewis Tillman, and Lewis was like the second or third guy taken in the second round. Played at a lower level of comp, you know, and. He came in and his footwork, he's very tall mm -hmm. and his footwork wasn't great, but this is at the beginning of camp, but, but by the end of the camp, six weeks later, mm -hmm. he had vastly improved. He became a starter during his rookie year. And I could go back. He might've started right from the top, but I, I don't recall him starting right at the beginning, but as he got play time, he got better and better. And then, you know, once he became a full-time player, the, you know, the rest of his history was great. Um, so it, it's a matter of having the right coaches and having them be able to do what you're asking them to do, mm -hmm. you know, with it, within your scheme. But I like this guy. Um, the other – one of the things that – concerned me a little bit is that he had a a, a non-football injury that caused him to miss the 2020 uh, he had a shoulder he had a shoulder injury it just yeah, didn't it, it didn't happen during foot uh, how he hurt it i don't know but he didn't happen during football season right and then the, the other injury that he had he hyperextended his knee in the acc championship which caused him to miss a, a bowl game uh, your thoughts on, you know, the, the fact that he's had these two injuries in back-to-back -back years, is that concerning at all to you? Well, the, the, I mean, I, I don't know what happened. Yeah. You know, hyperextended knee, that that's not a big deal. He would have been back from that in, in a couple of weeks. Right. Right. Okay. So, 
the injury, it's, you know, when did he, how did he get the injury? Yeah. Was it in the weight room? Right. Or what? But, it, but it put him out for the year and it was a short year. It was COVID year. Right. Right. You know, 2020. Mm-hmm. So now here's a guy, another guy that I like, mm-hmm. but I don't see, I don't see the other, I don't see other people liking him as much as I do. <laughs> okay. You're, talk, but, you're talking Cam Taylor, uh, Britt? A lot. Alante Taylor. Oh, from, yeah. Uh, from, um, did I miss? Oh, wait a minute. I forgot. I forgot Cam Taylor Cam, Britt. Cam, yeah, Cam Taylor No, Britt. we did Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska. We? Ran fourth. Yes, we did. Oh, yeah, yeah, Where yeah. Where have you been? I'm, I'm multitasking here, so I apologize. Okay. <laughs> Alante Taylor's from Tennessee. Excellent size for a corner. 6001, 199. Mm-hmm. Ran a 436. He's got a 39-inch vertical, 11-1 long jump. And I, I said, I like him better than a lot of NFL, than some NFL people I've talked to mm-hmm. and a lot of the draft Knicks. In fact, uh, Dane uh, Bugler, who I, I I really like and does a great job, he's got him as a safety. Yeah. So this guy's an excellent athlete with great size. He's aware. He's got very good ball skills and hands, ball reactions. He can play. Anything in coverage, you know, in, in my opinion, it's all upside. Mm-hmm. Top, he's a top flight leader. He was on the the uh, leadership council for the SEC. Um, I think I see him going in the third round, and I see him as a as a potential starter as a rookie. This guy to me, I just you know, there's nothing I like about him. And another like thirty two and a quarter inch arms. He's got length. He's got height. He's got speed. He can jump. I mean, what's there not to like and, and why some of these people don't like him. I, you know, or don't like him as much as I do. I've seen him like as, as a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder. I, you know, wouldn't shock me if he goes in the second round mm-hmm. and uh, or at worst case, the top of the third. Mm-hmm. Now there's, there's two guys. I, I found a, a, a video on YouTube by accident, really. And it was this guy mm-hmm. and um, Martin Emerson from Mississippi State mm-hmm. working together with a coach out in Arizona. And, they, you know, they were taping a lot of the workout. Mm-hmm. And this guy was really smooth with his footwork, his, his quick feet, his transition, where Emerson, he's the guy at the top of the W, has the choppy steps. Mm. And he's, you know, he's a guy, he's a big, tall guy with long legs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you saw the difference. And I, you know, I think Emerson might have to move inside, but we'll get to him in a minute. Okay. But I like, I like Taylor. He'd be, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here because how I'm looking at guys and how they come off the board and how the bears have them. It's all, you know, different things. No two, no two boards in the league are are similar. <laughs> Some team might have a guy as a high second, another team may have him as low third. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and that's very typical throughout the league when you get to to draft weekend. A lot of the names in the first two rounds are the same. Mm-hmm. Where they land on the board is not the same. Right. Okay. Okay. So, but. You know, I said my piece on him. I, By I, the way, I uh, 
Taylor played uh, when he signed at Tennessee. It was as a wide receiver, but during the 2018 preseason workouts, they moved him to cornerback. Right. Uh, so he hasn't he hasn't been on the the defensive side of the ball that long. Right. I, my, my concern is is if they move him now to safety, that's uh, three different positions and and a short. I wouldn't move him to safety. I think he's a corner. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I you know I've just seen some people have him to safety. I I I think he's a corner. Especially what what in what I think they're going to be asking the Bears corners to be doing, mm-hmm. I think he's a fit. Now this next guy is interesting as hell, but he's raw and his numbers are off the charts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's Zion McCollum from Sam Houston. Right, he's six two two oh six four three seven. He's got a six four eight three cone mm-hmm. and a three seven four twenty shuttle. Now some people say he's tight in the hips. Mm-hmm. That six four eight and that three seven four, he ain't tight in the hips. I guarantee you. <laughs> he might be he might be a little leggy, but he's not tight in the hips. Uh-huh. He's got an eleven foot broad jump and a thirty nine and a half vertical. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like I said with the other guy. This guy's going high. He's not getting out of the second round because of his numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you're not going to be. He might not be ready to play. He was a dominant press man corner at Sam Houston. He's very rarely played anything but press man. Mm-hmm. He's really good at 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 press man, but you're not. You know, that's not what he's going to have to do at our level. Right. And so, you know how. He adapts to learning zone. Zone shouldn't be that hard for him because he's got pretty good – he shows good instincts when he's playing in in man coverage. Mm -hmm. But how he adapts to zone and off and especially off, that's going to tell you how soon he's going to get on the field. Mm -hmm. So he may not be a starter as a rookie because he's raw – for lack of a better word, and it's really lack of experience in all the different coverages. Mm-hmm. But the talent, the ceiling for this guy is way up here. Mm. He um, uh, has played a lot of football. Uh, this guy, he uh, took advantage of that extra year of eligibility due to the mm-hmm. pandemic, and he returned for his fifth season in 2021. His freshman year was in 2017, and in that year, he led the team in passes, defended, and interceptions. So he's played a lot of snaps. Has doesn't have an injury history, just for you know, just for those two reasons alone, his experience and 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 lack of injury history. He, he's intriguing candidate for me. No, yeah, but he just you know, he, except for when they played North Dakota State, and he goes up against Watson. He, he you know he hasn't played a lot of NFL caliber receivers. Yeah, but you only can play who you play. I mean, you can't right. you know so. You just look at the raw piece mm-hmm. of clay, so to speak. Yeah, sure. And there's a hell of a lot to work with there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that for that reason, I – now, who somebody said he, he's being stiff. He's going oh, – what's he say? He has the traits to break the mold of tall corners being stiff. Well, if you look at the numbers, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Because I, I I haven't seen a little guy do a 6'4'8". In, in a three cone, let alone a guy six foot two. Ah. <laughs> I mean that, that that's incredible. I'll tell you, and and Nate Vasher would have around a six seven 
three cone at the at the uh, University of Texas Pro Day, extremely quick, mm-hmm. and and he had a sub four second twenty shuttle. Nate couldn't run where the dam. Nate, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'll I'll tell you a funny story because uh, I don't recall if he ran at the combine mm-hmm. or ran poorly. But anyway, he goes back to, you know, I, I I'm at the pro day at Texas and Ballard's there. The guys at Texas, for some reason, they wanted to run. They had a like a forty yard track, uh, old the old astroturf track in the weight room. That's how big the weight room was. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to run on that instead of running in the bubble on field turf. Mm-hmm. Personally, I thought this this track, the old AstroTurf track in the weight room was was slow. A mm-hmm. lot of guys, he did not time good there. I mean, you know, all right, four, five, six, four, five, seven, four, five, eight, around like that. So you know, Ballard lived in Houston at the time. And so, you know, Texas was one of the schools. So he goes back like another time. And uh, so he says, I got to get one more time because Chris really liked him. And I, I liked him too. And it, I loved his quickness, but, you know, it, he just wasn't fast enough. So about a, we start our meetings two weeks before the draft. So this is in that week leading up that would have been like this week right now okay okay as compared you know if you compared it chris goes i'm i'm gonna drive to austin i you know an hour and a half drive from his house to austin and he goes i'll get another time so he calls me up coach got him in four five two <laughs> i said how far did he run 37 yards <laughs> he goes Greg, I'm telling you, the clock said four five two. <laughs> I said that guy couldn't run four five two. You strapped two jet engines to his ankles. So, and, and, but he said that's the time. I said that's the time I'm putting down. You, you said it, and, and you know we drafted him in the fourth round, and, and the guy was a hell of a player. But I, I, and another thing that's funny is is. Nate was not the most muscular guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and his body fat, and I might have repeated this or told the story before, mm-hmm. his body fat was really high for a, a skill position player. And it's just, I mean, first time Rusty puts him in the bot pot, he's got like 13.5%. And you, you want a guy like, you know, 7%, 6.5%, something like that, you know, at, at those skill positions. And he's like 13 and a half, 14. And Rusty's like, he can't play. He's too fat. You know, and, and and no matter what he did, watched his diet, I don't think he ever got below 12 and a half percent. That's oh. just the way his, his body makeup was. Mm-hmm. So I don't see, you know, he stops playing, he retires, and then I don't see him. And I he I'm at the gym one day, it's right around the corner from my house, and this guy's waving to me. And I'm looking, I go, he doesn't look familiar. And I go over and it's Nate. But Nate had these skinny little arms when I when he was playing for the Bears, right? He had these guns that were about this big. <laughs> and, you know, and I go, what the hell? I said, you on the juice? <laughs> he just started laughing. Oh, that's a great story. All right, let's move on now to uh, MJ 
Emerson, you brought him up earlier. Uh, this young guy has kind of, he, he's the story of perseverance. You know, there's been multiple coaching changes at his college, teammates transferring out, but he just kept his head down and uh, and, and put together some pretty good tape. But uh, you've got some questions about his play, huh? Well, no, I, I, I like his play. His tape's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And, and he's been a consistent player, uh, you know, in a very tough conference I gave him a time of four or five, two. He ran, I think, four, five, three in Indy. And then at his pro day, he ran four, five, one. Well, that's easy enough to figure out. He's four, five, two. (laughs) Average him out. But he's six, one and a half. He's 201. He's a tall, long guy. He's leggy. And that's, you know, watching that video, his change of direction wasn't elite. His ability to transition wasn't elite. But then you watch the tape. He's pretty damn good. He's very, very aggressive. He takes extra steps, which I mentioned, in transition. He's only got one career interception. So then I was concerned, okay, can he catch? But on this tape that they did, Uh he caught the ball really, really well. Okay. And it must have been at least 10 times I saw him catch the ball where he had to extend to make the the catch. It wasn't like they were, you know, within the the frame of his body. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh. I, I have questions about him being able to play in off coverage. Mm-hmm. He, he'll be able to play press. He plays a lot of press at Mississippi State. He'll be able to play zone. It's does he have that suddenness that you need in off coverage? Mm-hmm. And and for that reason, I just think is he better off, and especially because he's aggressive and he'll knock your dick off. Is <laughs> is he going to be better off inside and you got a guy you can match up against tight ends and not have a problem Mm -hmm. at all. Now, you know, I already went on that long dissertation earlier in the show (laughs) about, you know, corners playing safety. Yeah. It can, but can he make that transition? Mm -hmm. But you might end up seeing this guy. Now I know there's people around the league that like him as a, as a tall corner Mm -hmm. and that's where he may very well end up. I just see some things in his athleticism that are just a little bothersome. And these these are the guys when you got questions like that about guys and so for instance Emerson you're thinking you know maybe we can put him in the slot and so forth. So when you invite him in for a, a private workout or you get the opportunity You can't you can't you have to do a private workout at his school or okay. his town. You can't his bring pro, him in here. His pro like you could bring you you could bring a local kid in. Right. Like Alec Pierce can the bears can bring in for a private workout any day of the week. And he doesn't count. He doesn't count against the 30 visits because he's local mm-hmm. and he okay. could have very, he could very, you know, they had the local day on Friday. I have no idea who went, mm. but he could have very well been at that group. Okay. So it, those, you would then ask him to do certain drills to see how fluid those hips are to see if he can play. Right. Well, it's more the transition than the hips. I okay. don't think his hips are that bad. It's the transition. Part of it's his long legs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got, he's got long arms, but he got long legs too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Jordan says that you want to turn him into J Ron curse. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Well, curse is taller. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, that's an example. And the next guy, this guy's very similar. Mm-hmm. Tariq uh, Woolen from uh, Texas San Antonio. Yeah, He's 6'4". Yeah. You know, 6'4", <laughs> 205, 4'2", wow. 6". 
And he, he, you know, he was like the fastest guy at the combine, mm -hmm. uh, 42 inch vertical, uh, 10, four, 10, five long jump, but his, now his three cone mm -hmm. as compared to Zion McCollum, Zion McCollum was a six, four, eight. This guy was seven, one. Zion McCollum was a three, seven, four in the 20 shuttle. This guy was four, three. And so you can see that, you know, the, the suddenness, there's a big difference in that suddenness. And again, I can, I know I'm repeating myself, mm -hmm. but when you get into playing off coverage, that's where that suddenness really comes into play. Mm -hmm. And this guy, this guy is only been playing defense for two years. Mm. He was a wide receiver and he reluctantly made the change from wide receiver to DB. Maybe he ends up being a wide out back in the, you know, when he, when he gets up to the big leagues here. Uh, Cause I, you know, I, he, he's not a, he's not a killer. That's for damn sure. I mean, he'll hit you, but he's not going to hit you like some of these other guys, like Emerson, the guy we just did, he'll hit you. Uh, this guy's got, you know, they're not playing the best comp at, at Texas San Antonio. It's not like they're, you know, he's playing SEC schools. I think they played, you know, a couple big 12 schools and stuff. He, he's got talent. Uh, he's best in playing press because he's tall, he's long, he gets his hands on somebody, and he can mirror uh, them on, on different kinds of routes but he doesn't have very much experience playing zone or off coverage. Mm -hmm. So it's going to take him some time. Another guy that, you know, maybe safe or corner isn't the best position for him at the NFL level because of that inexperience uh, and, you know, that lack of suddenness, mm -hmm. but he's an interesting guy. And you get, you look at the four two and you look at, he can jump out of the building and he's got, you know, he can tie his shoes standing up. His arms are so long. <laughs> wow. You know, you're going to – coaches are going to say, I, I'm going to make him a player. Yeah. You know, I I, I, I see it. I, I, I've sent coaches out to work out players, and they come back, and there's just certain things they really like that they go, I really want this guy. I want to work with this guy. I recall uh, Danny and I think Neil, too, being concerned about drafting him uh, in the second round and maybe even the third round because they think he's more of a developmental player. And, no question. Yeah. No, no question. Again, he's only been on defense two years. Right. So what's your philosophy on that, given that this team, the current Chicago Bears, need kind of plug-and-play players to be drafted in, on day two with those three picks? Would you stay away from a guy like him? Tariq Woolen? Um, I, I might, in, unless I did a private workout mm -hmm. and have some information that, that you and I don't have. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I'd be, I'd have a tendency to push some of these guys like him, uh, Martin Emerson. You know, those are guys that I might push down a little bit. Okay. Now, next guy fits the same category, mm -hmm. but he's a little better. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah. And and that's Kobe Bryant. Too bad he doesn't play football like Kobe plays basketball. <laughs> Nobody but, was named after the basketball player I read. <laughs> but another big guy, six one and a half, one ninety three. Ran uh, now. He, here's this: he ran a four five four at the combine, comes back at the Cincy Pro Day and runs four four seven. But his um, 
I said, so he's a four or five guy. I mean, you know, average it out. He's a four or five guy, mm -hmm. uh, but he's a four year starter. Now they had the other guy on the other, you know, the, the real good corner is going to be the first corner off the board on the other side mm -hmm. and they never threw at him. So this guy got balls thrown his way and he came up pretty good, you know, came up good. Uh, I don't think he's a second round guy. I think he's more going to probably go in, in the third round, mm -hmm. uh, but he's a good player. He doesn't have that. I, I keep going back. He's a leggy guy and he doesn't have that suddenness that you really want to see right. in, in, in uh, man off coverage. They play a lot of, they play zone and they play press, but they don't play a lot of off at, at Cincinnati. Um, mm -hmm. I, I said most likely he's a backup and special teams player to start. He might become a starter by year two, year three at the at the latest. I don't mm -hmm. see him coming in and, and challenging to be a starter right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And and if he's a guy that say the Bears took in the second round, the coaches obviously feel different. Mm -hmm. You know, but I just, you know, based on what I saw, and I saw him play live. I saw I was at the Notre Dame game. Mm -hmm. So, so I, you know, and I watched him and Sauce on, on the uh, field and uh, doing warm ups, and and he's a, he's a pretty good athlete. He's not the athlete that that his teammate is, but he's a good, solid player. But he's got some. I, I, there's very few that are perfect. Mm -hmm. So you got to find out what's going on upstairs, and and do they have the athletic talent? to do what you're going to be asking them to do. If you're going to play strictly man, not strictly man, but predominantly man, mm -hmm. he'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, you know, and, and they can, you know, they can make adjustments in their coverages to, if, if this guy's going to be one of your better press man guys, you can make adjustments in your coverages to, um, you know, play to his strengths. Mm -hmm. Don't play him enough. Exactly. He was uh, voted uh, top cornerback uh, at the senior bowl, I think for the national team. And so uh, that's, that's quite a, uh, an honor, I think, uh, because the, the competition there was pretty good this season. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's always good, but I, I'm going to go back and I'm a little old school here. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the draft analysts and stuff, their only exposure to a guy live is at the senior bowl. Mm -hmm. So they place a lot of their, evaluation on what they see at the senior bowl mm -hmm. and all the years I was scouting, we had our one rule was never downgrade a guy from an all-star game, only upgrade him if you upgrade him, if he played well, the reason being, yeah. depending on the, depending on the school, the guy went to, mm -hmm. you know, what if he, he played for a average team, didn't get in a bowl game. Mm -hmm. His last game was Thanksgiving. Yeah. And he's going to the senior bowl two months later. Mm. Yeah. He's working out for the combine and all that, but he's not playing football. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and others who like, if they played at Alabama, Georgia, they're in the playoffs and they've, you know, they played a longer season than anybody else. They're tired. Mm -hmm. They're worn out. So, I mean, you just don't, you want to have an all-star game, help a guy, especially if you see things, that you didn't see on tape, mm -hmm. but if he has a bad week, you don't want to let it, you don't want to kill him. 
Right. Because right. The, the tape from the season has to supersede what he did at the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the next guy that we have is a guy who uh, was very difficult to find tape on because he didn't play much his first three seasons at Alabama. No, he's a, he's, well, I mean, you know, Alabama's got <laughs> the, the one thing I'm going to say, Nick Saban was a DB coach coming up as an assistant before he became a coordinator. He spends all day uh-huh. on the defense. He never even looks at the damn offense. I, you know, in any practice, and, and I saw him coaching at Toledo, Michigan State, LSU, and Alabama, you know, live. And, and Nick, I'm going to say 95% of the time, he is with the defense during practice. Okay. Okay. And uh, let me tell you, you get through practice with him and, and you beg because he lets you, if you make a mistake, he lets you hear about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure he does. He's got, but that when left. you look at the talent that Alabama has at the wide receiver position, and then you see what this guy was going against daily. No, he wasn't playing because they had other guys who were getting drafted, mm-hmm. you know, in front of him, but he's, you know, he's gone against good people for the, his entire time at Alabama. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't getting the game reps until this year. And his play this year wasn't too bad. Not totally consistent. He's got good size, 6005, 197, 439, 36 and a half inch vertical. His broad jump actually was kind of poor considering the 36 and a half inch vertical and his 439. His mm-hmm. long jump was nine foot ten. As a one-year starter. Has played special teams uh, as an underclassman. He lacks great another guy because he's a, he's a tall guy. Lacks uh, great suddenness, which is going to hurt him and off. It sounds like I'm a broken record when I talk about that. <laughs> I said, but he is a pretty good zone player. Uh, overall, he's raw and inexperienced, but he has a lot of upside mm-hmm. based on what you saw on tape this year. Um, a lot of people that I've talked to in the league think he might be strictly a backup in the league and special teams guy may never become a starter. Okay. Okay. I, I see a little bit more upside than that based on some of his tape this year because he finally got the opportunity and maybe that's all he needs is the opportunity to get more play time. Right. Yeah. That seems to be the consensus too with our, uh, our guests in the chat room is give them some more playing time. There's upside for this player. Um, he, um, there was a point that I wanted to make about him. Um, he had all, all sec honors with the team best three interceptions uh, in this one last season that he played. He didn't allow a single touchdown. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, no, really. You, you had to like his tape Yeah, and, and, when he find you know, at Alabama, you got to wait. Mm-hmm. And when it, and it's what you do when you finally get your chance. Mm-hmm. And, and he made the most of it. You can't take that away from him. Mm-hmm. He's still inexperienced. Uh, and he's a little tall. Mm-hmm. And I personally, I like tall corners. And if you're going to play a lot of press, fine. Mm-hmm. If you're going to play a lot of press, he, he's going to end up playing – a lot in the league it's can he do the other stuff at the enough level to be able to play mm-hmm. and and really until you get him in practice and see him what he's doing every day you really don't know because the, the, there's not a whole lot of tape on the guy mm. 
Now, the next guy is his teammate, Josh Joby. This guy was a disappointment this year. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been a starter for a couple of years. And in 2020, he played pretty good. 2021, his play went downhill for whatever reason. He might have more natural talent than Armour Davis, but he didn't play anywhere near as good overall in, in, in 21. He can do, you know, he can play press, he can play zone, he can play off. Um, but like I say, his, his play this past year was inconsistent, uh, was disappointing to the coaches, disappointing to the scouts. I know a guy that that lives down there who goes into Alabama at least twice a year mm-hmm. and, and sees them play more than that sees them play a lot because he lives near there. And he said, I, I just think he's a backup because I don't see him ever being a starter in the league. Wow. And it didn't help uh, that he missed uh, bowl games uh, because he suffered a turf toe injury late in the season. So that's not a good thing. Yeah, I don't think he's run yet. Um, no, he hasn't. He, yeah. he has not run yet. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of guessing it at, at what his time's going to be. And that could hurt him too. Cause you don't have a, you know, that that's a, a stopwatch driven position. Mm. <laughs> Wide receiver and corner stopwatch driven. And so if you don't run, you know, it really hurts you unless there's something special. Mm. All right. Another Joshua, Joshua Williams from Fayetteville state university. This is an intriguing candidate. He played a lot of wide receiver. I think his first three years of high school was wide receiver. So he's got some ball skills, uh, but uh, we'll see. What do you think about him as a corner? Well, when he got to the senior bowl, he struggled. According yeah. to the people I talked to were down there, you know, NFL people. Uh-huh. And so when he dominated at the D2 level, mm-hmm. played really, really well. But now, you know, he's not going up one level of comp. He's going up two or three levels of comp going from Fayetteville to the senior bowl against the, you know, the people he's playing against. And he struggled at the senior bowl athletic traits that you're looking for, you know, not great speed, but decent four, five, two, he's six. He's just under six, three, six, two and seven, eight, 195, four, five, two, 10, four, broad jump, 36 inch vertical. He's got long arms. Now a short shuttle was poor. Four four seven, that's pretty slow for a corner. Mm-hmm. But he came back and did a six nine five three cone. So there's there's just inconsistency all around, and uh, you know I think he's going to be a work in progress. And a, you know, guy now one guy I talked to I really respect thinks he's not going to get drafted. He's going to be a free agent. I think he gets drafted because he's got you know because of his size his length. His overall athleticism is going to get him drafted. Uh, so we disagree there, but he he's probably not going to get picked until later part of day three. Okay. Uh, let's move on then to uh, Darian Kendrick, DK, as he's called by his teammates and friends and family from Georgia. Yeah, well. DK was one of the names you gave me, and then I saw what he ran at the Combine, and he did not run at his pro day. Or no, he did not run at the Combine and then uh, ran at his pro day, and he ran a blazing 474. (laughs) 
<laughs> Bye, Darian. See you later. Bye-bye. That's all we need to know. <laughs> yeah, seven, four. Holy cow. And, and <laughs> now here, here's the problem. When you go to the combine and you have a bad day, you got a makeup exam mm -hmm. at your pro day. Mm -hmm. When you go, when you don't work out at the combine for whatever reason, and then you really screw up at your pro day, yeah, you're dead in the water. It's over. <laughs> and and four seven four, yeah. he ain't playing. I mean, he, he'll get he'll sign as a free agent because you need hell. You need. 16 defensive backs in training camp mm -hmm. and so he's he's gonna be on a a training camp roster but 474 just doesn't cut it when i watch the tape you know what he he's a product of having about four first rounders on that defense uh, okay all right don't even invite him to uh tryout camp Let's move on to somebody who uh, ran a lot faster, and that's uh, Jermaine Waller. Well, he didn't run a whole lot faster. He ran, <laughs> he ran four six eight. And, you know, oh my God, what the heck? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I I see those, and I just get turned off right away. Yeah, because again, I as I said five minutes ago, it's a stopwatch-driven position, <laughs> and this guy, I wrote, he uh, he has size. I said four six eight at at, at Indy. Then mm. he doesn't run at the pro day. Why not? Yeah. And the reason I have for that is because I've I've seen it many times over the years. Mm -hmm. Those who can't don't. Mm. Interesting. He, he knows he can't run. Yeah. So you know, I already ran shitty one time. Why should I do it again? <laughs> <laughs> and his agent probably told him the same thing. <laughs> Don't you dare ever run. Uh, so I, I, I see him as a as a free agent. Now, there's one other guy I just want to touch on because people got him high. Okay. I don't think the Bears are not high, but, you know, in, in maybe a day two, probably an early day three. And that's mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jones from Houston is a slot corner. Okay. Pretty decent slot corner, but he's five foot eight. Mm -hmm. And not five foot eight and a half. He's five foot eight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's a midget. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's tough enough playing with a guy five nine sometimes. And and the corner, the, the, the slot corner the Bears have had the last couple of years is five eight and seven ace. Mm -hmm. You can struggle. This guy's five eight. He can run. No question he can run. I, I just, you know, knowing that that rule they had in Indy, and the fever flush sticks to it here, five ten and a half. He's he's two and a half inches too short mm -hmm. to draft. So I didn't spend a lot of time on. <laughs> Jordan says, "Come on, Greg. The game goes beyond measurable. It just does." What do you think about that? Um. Okay, I'm five foot eight, and I'm going to guard a six foot three receiver. <laughs> and he's got what did I put? It? Oh, his arms are twenty eight and seven eighths too. Mm -hmm. So that not only does is he short, he's got short arms. So you know, I'm 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 five nine and a half now. I was five ten at one time, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've got like thirty and a half inch arms. Mm -hmm. His arms are. You know, like two inches shorter than mine. And if I would go up against a tall guy, you know, you get killed because of the reach. 
yeah difference right. and and you know hey if somebody wants to take a five eight guy go ahead be yeah. my guest i don't you know personally that's not for me i would never draft a guy like that now will he get drafted probably i'm just saying that's me my, not uh, as Jordan points out, Kenny Moore was five is five nine and doing well at that slot position. Uh, so there are exceptions. But he was a, when he was a free agent too. Exactly, that's a great point because somebody else made it in the chat room. Is that those guys? I think it was Herney seven seven seven. Those guys you usually find undrafted and you can bring into camp. Uh, and right, and, and then they show up and then they're playing against guy. But now, are you going to take? You're going to spend a, a third round pick on a five foot eight corner? I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with the limited draft capital, particularly it's, it's concerning. You, you want athletes. Um, now the tape, you know, has a lot to do with that too. So, but uh, it is an interesting uh, business being a scout. There's so many parameters, so many things that you have to put into effect Um uh, when you're making a, an, a, an analysis of a player, I mean, it's just not height. It's just not this. It's just not that. Uh, so, you know, and, and and to be fair, and just to add to that, mm-hmm. we know less than half of what they know inside a draft room. Yes. And I'm not just saying the the Bears draft room. I'm saying any draft room. Right. We have very little. Yeah, you got some background information, mm-hmm. but you got very little character stuff yeah. as far as work ethic and things like that, coachability, uh, passion for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get maybe little bits and pieces, but overall, you don't have anywhere near as much. You don't have access to the medical. Mm-hmm. Some stuff will leak out over the next couple of weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you get very little medical. And you know, one rule of thumb in the league is when you see guys that you think are going to go high and they start dropping down, mm-hmm. come draft day, it, it's two things, character mm-hmm. or medical. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, complimented Dane Brugler's work with The Athletic and that draft guide that he puts together. And he, he will, he'll spend two lengthy paragraphs looking at the, the guy at, from a high school perspective and everything before college and, and at college and so forth. Well, I, I tweeted out, you know, his report mm-hmm. is more like an NFL report right, right. than and now he, but he still doesn't have exactly what I was character. Say. Exactly. You know, he's got background, which you know, you when when you're writing a report, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what you do. But you got another half page which you're putting in the character, mm-hmm. and you're also now he's got it in his. Uh, in his background, you know, get games played, games started, etc., uh, position switches. But that he's as close as you can get. And I like I've talked to Dane a lot on the on the phone over the years, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I told him flat out, I said I'd hire him in a second. You know, he, he he should be working in the league. He does a good job. You don't always agree with them, but it's fine. There, there's, you know, I, I as I said, I think last week. You can put five scouts in a room, put on the same tape, and you're going to get four different opinions. Well, and that's the thing about him. He's doing the job of about five scouts, you know, and putting together that that the the beast, as he calls it. I mean, that right. is an incredible amount of work that he puts into that. And so he gets my respect. We had him on last year on Draft on Tap, and, and I was uh, effusive in my praise 
of what he does to put that uh, guide together. Um, a lot of people in the chat room, you know, have been bringing up examples of smaller cornerbacks like Lamel Stinson and, and uh, uh, a couple of other names, uh, Callahan. For instance, Adeptus says Callahan's vertical is 43 inches. It's explosive leaping that makes up for the smaller size. You're reach. talking Bryce, Bryce Callahan? Yes. Um, uh, Bryce yeah, Callahan. well, Bryce was 5'9 and change, I think, mm -hmm. and, and he ran fast, mm -hmm. but... What what else was Bryce? He was a free agent. Yeah, there's your point there. Yeah, exactly. You know, so and and, and then he made it and he, he made some money, but he wasn't a very big guy. Mm -hmm. And now at the at the back end, not having that that girth and size is, you know, he he's he might even be done. I mean, nobody signed him yet. Yeah, he's still and, out and, there. Yeah, and and because he's missed a lot of time in the last few years, mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. that that catches up to you, especially when you don't have that size. Yep, there are definitely exceptions, and as Matthew uh, Fuchisi points out, that you're talking about, you know, drafting guys high or mid rounds and so forth. It, it's uh, very very iffy. For every one player that is small in size that makes it in the NFL. There are a thousand that don't. <laughs> so oh, you gotta, yeah. Got to right. keep that. And, and yeah, the, you you got to go with the numbers and and, and the averages. Mm -hmm. and, and and you know I've said this before with corners, and this goes back to an exercise I did twenty one years ago, and I went back ten or twelve years, twenty one years ago, and it still holds true. So for over thirty years now, mm -hmm. twelve to fifteen corners are going in the first three rounds. Mm -hmm. Lock it down. There you go. And by the time you get into the third round, you're starting to really overdraft some of them. Mm -hmm. But it's a high priority position. Mm -hmm. That's why I say, I'm telling you right now, in that first three rounds, there's going to be a corner. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if it's one of the second rounders, mm. uh, especially looking at the, at, at the roster. Yeah. Bear Truth Nine asks, uh, "Do you think that Ryan Poles will take more chances with players who have red flags, for instance, character issues, than Bears GMs of the past?" No, oh, I know who's trained Ryan Poles. He's gonna, <laughs> Ain't gonna happen. He, and and if you listen to him talk, you know, football character is very, very important to him. Mm -hmm. You know, now if it's off-field issues, football character and and personal character are two different things. Mm -hmm. and greatest of all time that I've been around had football character off the charts and personal character was in the graveyard somewhere. And that's Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor, <laughs> but Lawrence Taylor needed football and he loved football. Yeah. You know, and he'd play hurt. He'd do anything. He practiced hard, but you know, when, when the work day was over, LT might be, you know, party until the next practice. That's right. Until he took up golf. He did say that that, that helped him. Golf helped him with his rehabilitation. Efforts. Well, no, what it is is that he, he's ultra competitive. Uh -huh. So, he you know, he, he didn't want to play golf alone. He wants to play golf with somebody else, and he wants money on the line. And, and then he's got, you know, that competitive nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Lawrence Coke Taylor because Sanders. Come on, Sanders. Although that's true. Um, one more question here from our buddy Chris Watts, who is tuning in all the way from Leeds across the pond. He says, "Was there a Bears? Was the, which was the best cornerback which you wanted but couldn't sign? Which hurt? I mean, couldn't draft? I, you yeah, know, I draft I, right. I don't know. I'd have to go back through each individual draft and see who was there and say, okay, was there a guy that I you know, I can't think of it offhand. We got a lot of the guys that, that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know the year we took Nate, there was other guys ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And I think I told that story about two weeks ago, but we had, I think, the eighth or ninth pick in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. And we had six guys mm-hmm. that we had up on the board. Okay, we're, we're good with any of these six. Nate was the six because one, two, three, four, and five all went, you know, so we, we had them lined up right. And, and, you know, Nate turned out to be a great pro. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we won on that battle, but uh, I offhand, I can't think of it, but I, you know, I'd have to do the research to find, go back and look and then what, say, Oh yeah. Why did that guy? What round did Revis go in? Because Sanders is asking about Revis. From Pitt? He went yeah. first. He went the first. Yeah. No way. You're in fact, I was at the um, – Lovey was here then. We were at the Pitt Pro Day, and Lovey just loved the guy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, a couple of other players came up. Uh, people were asking if uh, you t- took a look at any tape of Vincent Gary and uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart from, from USC. No. Uh, No, I did. These are the guys I did in the last little over a week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I said last week, defensive backs take me a long time to do. You know, I'm not looking at a highlight tape because that, you know, (laughs) I can make the worst guy in the world look good on a highlight tape. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) You've got to look at, you've got to look at game tape, the real Mm -hmm. game tape from Mm -hmm. beginning to end. And there's going to be guys, uh, you know, like McDuffie from mm-hmm. Washington mm-hmm. that they don't throw at. Right. You know, right. so now, but you got to watch every play just to see what his cover skills are on the particular play. Yes. And then you got to look for when he is thrown at what his ball skills are. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and does it, does, does he react to the ball in the air? And then sometimes, you know, you even got to go back and like when you're making a, you got to go back to the school and look at practice tape because they don't make the practice tape available to the pro teams, you know, send it into their, their, uh, their offices. But if you're at the school, you can watch it. You gotcha. can watch practice day. And, and so sometimes you got to see that just to, to get a look at, at, at certain things that you couldn't find on tape. Right. So, and then I said, you know, we drafted the one corner from Florida uh, in 2010. I had to look at 17 games before I felt comfortable. Mm. That's a lot of a lot of tape. Because of- just in, in, in his final year at Florida, nobody threw inside. Mm. Everybody was throwing outside, outside mm. the hashes. And it was like, you know. I gotta look. I gotta find. Make some plays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it took 17 games. Uh, you've got patience, my friend. Uh, Jordan asked, do you recall the thoughts about uh, Jonathan Joseph when he was uh, available in the draft? That was a player that uh, Jordan himself was really hoping the Bears would draft. 
Um, what year was Joseph? Uh, that's a good question. Let me see. That may have happened after, right? Uh, after you were with the Bears, Jonathan Joseph. Put out the baseball better, but uh, um, he uh, came uh, into the NFL in 2006, so 2006 draft. No, so I I did him. I don't remember what we had on him mm -hmm. in, in 2006. In fact, I, I, I'll tell you a story, and it, it, it's bad on my part. There's that coach from Dallas, that that Gary Brown, that died yesterday. Oh, yeah. Well, he played for the Giants for two years when I was there, and I don't remember him. Really? <laughs> and he had a 1999, he, had, he ran for 1,006 yards. I yeah. do not remember this guy to say, I'm Tiki Barber was there. Mm -hmm. And then in 2000, we drafted Ron Dane. Mm -hmm. And we went to the soup, that Super Bowl that season. So the 2001 Super Bowl, this guy was there two years. I do not remember this guy to save my life. Wow. There, I must be getting old. Well, it, it happens sometimes, you know, like one of my ex-wives claims that she doesn't remember being married to me. <laughs> uh, Laz says, is there uh, any chance Poles is having anyone on his staff watch this podcast, given Greg's successful background and resume in the I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's not. So, uh, <laughs> they got they got better things to do. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one, the one thing, you know, a week from tomorrow, uh -huh. For three days, so mm -hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week, they got their first mini camp. They get an extra mini camp. Yeah, that's right. I because you got a new, because you got a, a new coaching staff. Mm -hmm. My first thought the other the other day, I was thinking they're probably going to sign a couple more guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they got them in the fold and start seeing what they can do. But then the other part of the equation, and and this, and, and if you look at some of the guys they've signed, like, excuse me, like uh, Tavon Young, Young was cut by the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Might have been a cap thing or whatever, but uh, so he doesn't count in the compensatory pick equation. Mm -hmm. Anybody they sign now that is a true. UFA, it counts in the compensatory pick. That counts right now. Okay. Three weeks from today mm -hmm. is the last day it counts. Ooh. Interesting. And, and any after that, and, and you're going to see guys, teams are going to wait, especially if they're now. right now. I don't think the bears got anything coming, mm -hmm. but, and, you know, adding a couple guys like they have, of course, some of those they're on minimum contracts, so they're not going to count the formula anyway. Right. But right now, it doesn't look like they got anything coming. You know, they need uh, Akeem Hicks to get signed. Uh, you know, to a decent contract. Personally, I don't think he's going to get signed until after that deadline. I think there's guys. Uh, you know, so uh, it, it'll it'll. There's a there's a couple corners that are out there. There's the Indiana or Indianapolis corner mm -hmm. uh, that was drafted by by Philly. He's a big tall guy, but he's thirty. He's going to be like thirty two years old this year. Okay. Uh, and I tweeted out another guy who's a fit. He played with Philly. He's been a starter the last four or five years in the league with three different teams. His name is Stephen Nelson out of Oregon. Mm -hmm. 
about five, ten and a half. Good player. Mm-hmm. And he made $3 million last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and, and try to get one more veteran corner mm-hmm. and before the draft, but but who knows? You know, mm-hmm. it's just uh, uh, Jordan says, Stephen, Sammy Watkins, I wouldn't touch him. What about Xavier Woods? Xavier Rhodes is the was the, is the corner, but he's going to be thirty two, I think, during the season. Yes, so he's getting a little, and he and he played his best in three or four years mm-hmm. last year within this scheme. But you know, it, it's getting late in the process. He hasn't been signed yet, so some of these guys. They don't want to, you know, they want a vacation. They don't want to have to take part in the off-season program. So they <laughs> they want to sign later. Then, you know, they've been doing it for, you know, 10 years already. They they I mean, they work out on their own and they work out good, but they 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 just, you know, would rather sign in May or June than than sign now. Mm-hmm. Uh, other guys, you know, they're like Hey, well, say Rhodes. Rhodes and Nelson both made around three million, give or take a couple hundred thousand dollars. They made pretty similar money last year. Mm-hmm. You know, they're probably thinking, "I want more than that." Okay, so now you're going to play that game. Okay, I'm going to wait, and then you're going to find out. Well, I can't get more. Mm-hmm. And when you and when you've exhausted that, and you find out you can't get more, then you're going to make a one year deal, and and you might get you know pretty much the same money he got last year, you know, which is in that, that $3 million area. Mm-hmm. But Nelson, I feel pretty confident in saying, and, and Poles has got a relationship with Nelson because he was in Kansas city for a while. Mm-hmm. So Poles knows him. Ibru mm-hmm. uh, Flus does not know him. Ibru Flus knows Xavier Rhodes. So, um, is it a possibility? Yeah. And then, you know, you get, there's a, a, a guard who was with Pittsburgh last year and uh, he's been to the pro bowl five times. Trey Turner. Uh, yeah. Trey Turner. And, you know, I looked at the tape and most of the tape is pretty good. There's a play here and a play there that he just looks awful. Yeah. But you see, so I, I, I could, pull out just in, in three of the games I looked at, at least a dozen plays where he's blowing people off the ball and pancaking them, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the run game and, and alert and pass pro. And then you see a guy make a quick move on and pass pro and he gets beat. Um, but Chris Morgan, the, the bears offensive line coach had him last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he would be the guy that would either go thumbs up or thumbs down. And he's probably another guy because he went to the pro bowl, uh, Five times. Another guy, I think he made around $3 million for Pittsburgh. I might be off on that one. Uh, but I think that's about what the figure was. You know, he's probably looking for more money. He's only 28 years old. He'd be 29 when, when camp starts. So he's still a relatively young guy. Hell, we got Ruben Brown. I think he was 33 or 34 <laughs> and played pretty damn good ball for us. And people said he was done when we got him. Yeah. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't done. So wasn't he? Wasn't he done after Olin got done? <laughs> Just kidding. No, 
No, him and I tell you, Ruben and and Olin became like asshole buddies now. I mean, a lot of and and they're both they're both alphas. So you know, you got to figure. Okay, this one might be a problem because Ruben ran the locker room in Buffalo, and and Olin runs and say this one might not work, and and. I'll tell you what, Ruben stepped aside and said, you know, and they became real close. They became good buddies. And I saw Ruben a couple of years ago. I was back in Buffalo, you know, because I always go back to Buffalo. It's my hometown. Mm-hmm. And I'm in this this one bar called Mother's. And I'm with a couple of friends of mine having some drinks. And, you know, I there's this tall, slender black guy whose back was to me and he was with some people and he's drinking and stuff. And I wasn't paying that much attention to him, except he was, you know, pretty well built uh-huh. and turns around. He comes over we start, you know, and it's Ruben. <laughs> he was about two twenty. Wow. You that's know, and, and that's why I said, that's why I said tall slender, <laughs> you know, because Ruben was a big guy. Ruben was about, you know, 315 mm-hmm. when he was here and, and a big guy. And I, you know, I remember scouting Ruben when he was in college. And, you know, to see him at, at 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy that, that that you'd never recognize as a as a Pro Bowl lineman is Jay Hilgenberg. Mm-hmm. He's 170 pounds. Yeah. I I've seen that. And, you know, at first you think, oh, he's sick. And then you realize, no, they, no. They, they've been dying to get some of that weight off for years. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, you know, I, I think Owen's probably only 230, 235. Yeah, he looks at The it. guy who's still big, and I don't know if you ever look at his Instagram, is uh, Roberto Garza. Oh, I, I'd love to talk to him one day. Roberto, you know, he's got a gym down in, in Texas. And you know, works with a lot of young people and stuff. And he, but he still lifts, and he can still lift a ton of weight. Mm-hmm. And he's still a big guy. I mean, he's not fat. He's he's one of the strongest people I've ever been around. Mm. By the way, somebody pointed out to me that I uh, was probably confusing Ruben Brown with Fred Miller, and that indeed is uh, what I did. So I apologize uh, for that error on my part. I want to get this question in from Adeptus because I think it's a really good one. Uh, is it true that bigger corners can transition to safety as they age and lose a bit of a step? Well, I think I answered that earlier in the show and that it's easier said than done. Okay. Because of, of what you're seeing, what's in front of you on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've got to have some special instincts where, where the corner job is, you, you know, man coverage and you're on an island and you've got to be able to, you know, have a, a short memory to come back from when you get beat, you're still only seeing part of the field mm-hmm. versus the whole field and, and your view of the field and your reactions to everything are a lot different at safety. So a, a safety has got to be a very, very heady football player, mm. a very instinctive football player. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a master class in not only scouting and evaluating players, but also uh, just learning more about the game of football from you, Greg. So I'm highly uh, grateful that you put all the work into this. And it's not just uh, the hours that, that you put in to look at these cornerbacks. You just uh, laid out for us 
plus years of NFL experience. And, uh, you know, it's it's been great talking to you. That's why we get so many followers on this show tuning in live. And then the on-demand stuff is getting great numbers. Really appreciate it, Greg. Thank you. Then I need more money. <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> We're gonna start charging for this. We we uh, we had somebody uh, on the draft on tap show, and who's the guy said, you know, if you guys could do this every day, I would I would be paying for it. And said I got got us thinking, maybe we could come up with a plan. I don't know if you can do it every day, only because you know you you're gonna run out of material. Yes, I totally agree. Uh, but if you do it shorter and then you piece it up and make it available every day, that there might be a way to do that. But either way. Well, yeah. I, I mean, we've been going an hour and 45 minutes so far yeah, today. Exactly. And that goes, I, I'll tell you what, it goes fast. It does. I'm telling you, this is fascinating. And uh, uh, Hernie says, thanks, Greg. Really appreciate you too, Aldo. Look at that. I get a little love too. Greg. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. See, when I, and, and when I was doing work at the score and stuff, if I did a, if I did a show, host, mm -hmm. co-hosted a show, I drink more water. Do the only time I drink more water than when I'm doing something like this is when I'm at the gym. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. that I, I, I that's hard to believe that you're not you're not dying to get to the washroom right now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I'm dying to take a nap. Yeah, well, after, after, after getting <laughs> up at two forty-five this morning. Uh, well, it is time for a nap for me too as well. Uh, and I just want to remind people that Jim McMahon is scheduled to be here at the barroom tomorrow with Dan and Aldo Bear Their Soul. So that should be a lot of fun. You ever have uh, any interaction with Jim McMahon, Greg? Nope. But the first Super Bowl I went to was Super Bowl 20. Ah. Yeah, I was with the Giants and I, I had never been to a Super Bowl. And I, I it, it, in fact, funny story. So I'm, I'm at a game at West Virginia. It was the opening game. And, um, oh, what the hell was the coach's name at West Virginia? Or, no, Louisville at the time, but they were playing West Virginia. Howard Schnellenberger. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so Howard, you know, you used to coach in the NFL. Great friend of George Young. So um, Louisville, with Howard his first year, and he was, God, he had to be 70 years old then, or late 60s or something, he's coaching his first game at, at uh, Louisville and the game's at West Virginia. So I'm doing that game, and George Young comes to the game because he's real close with Howard, mm -hmm. you know, going back. So we're sitting there. So this is um, 1985. Mm -hmm. So I said, George, I said, uh, I've never been to a Super Bowl. I want to go to a Super Bowl. Can I get some tickets? He goes, well, how many do you need? I said, oh, I don't know, maybe six. He goes, looks at me, goes, are you freaking crazy? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, how many? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he goes, I can get you two. But at, you know, know what? How much Super Bowl tickets cost? Then the the flat like sixty sixty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, our, our first Super Bowl the following year. Uh, uh, when we played Denver, I think they're the they were seventy five dollar tickets. Man, <laughs> seventy five dollars to watch the eighty five Bears. What a what a bargain! Hey, before I let you go, do you recall watching tape and scouting Jim McMahon when you were with the Giants? And if so, you know what was your evaluation of him? No, that you? was um, he came out before. Okay, before you were with. I, uh, I think I was working part-time for Buffalo when McMahon was at BYU and no, I didn't do him. Mm -hmm. 
Because I, I remember, you know, watching him play at BYU and just putting up all these records. And when the Bears drafted him, I, I thought to myself, finally, finally, we're going to get a passing offense here in Chicago after years of Kent Nix. And Jim Miller wasn't bad for a season. I want to know how he fit in at BYU. Now, I've been to BYU probably eight or nine times. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> and I want to know how he fit in there. Yes, I'll because ask him that. That is a that's like being on the moon. That is a different world. Oh my gosh, I was I was out in Salt Lake City for the Olympics, man, and we would get done working around eight p.m. at night. It was so difficult to find an open bar to go get a drink. Now, like, I, now, <laughs> see, now they changed the laws in Utah just for those Olympics. Yeah, well, it still was hard for me to have you, you had you actually had bars and stuff where they served alcohol. Mm. You know, and the first time I was in Salt Lake City, there's a Marriott downtown mm-hmm. directly across the street from the the big Tabernacle Cathedral or whatever it is mm-hmm. and you know, the Mormon Cathedral. Sure. And so I go in and I, you know, I, I, I got there in the afternoon and around five o'clock I go down, to, there is a bar there, mm-hmm. but, and, and I said, uh, you know, I think I wanted a, a screwdriver or something. Mm-hmm. And the guy looks at me and he goes, well, I'll give you the orange juice. You got the vodka. <laughs> I said, this is a bar. You're supposed to have the vodka. You know, <laughs> Yeah, and he goes, no, this is Utah. I said, well, I've never, I've never been here before. I said, this is my first time. I'm a rookie. He goes, well, let me tell you what you got to do. Just walk out the door, uh-huh. and there's a little liquor store there, and you go buy your vodka and bring it in here. Wow, that's a, and that's then crazy. and we give you the we give you the mixture now. The only thing is now, the, what should the orange juice cost you? A buck? Yeah, they they, they charge you like there's uh, <laughs> like there's uh, alcohol in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then that, that that Saturday night, you know, I remember I, I went to a Utah game that weekend, mm-hmm. and that Saturday night, that this place was packed, mm-hmm. and everybody had a little brown bag, <laughs> you know, with their with their with their alcohol. And the thing that cracked me up is because, you know, Mormons aren't supposed to smoke, drink, or dance. Yeah. But most of the population of Utah is Mormon, and they're all in there smoking, drinking, and dancing. <laughs> of course. I know one thing. If I have to travel to Utah again, I'm packing a bottle of my favorite whiskey. Well, like I said, when they got they, – they had to change the laws Yeah. to – but but now you go down to BYU, and that's where it's really different. I mean, it, it, at least Salt Lake City has a semblance of reality yeah. as compared to the, the strictness of the Mormon. But you go down to to um, BYU, which is only you know 35, 40 miles away. Um, you know, they're I mean, they're really strict. Wow. You can't even get you know. I I like to drink. I don't drink coffee, so I'd like to have. Like a, a a bottle of Coke or Pepsi with me or something when I'm watching tape, mm-hmm. you know, to help me keep away. They don't even have that on campus. Wow! And you're not allowed to bring it in. 
I'm definitely going to ask Jim McMahon how he was able to survive his time in Utah. This is a guy who, when he got out of limo to uh, be introduced by the Chicago Bears, was holding a can of beer. <laughs> and it wasn't his only beer. He had a beer uh, throughout that ride from what I read. Well, uh, they guys who have been there have told me John Tate went to BYU too. Remember our, our left tackle? Sure. But they, they all live off campus. Mm-hmm. And be, so they don't have to... <laughs> to to follow all the rules, but they still can't get caught doing anything wrong. They'll get kicked out of school. Yeah, right. I, I, you know, you go to a game. They didn't. They might put you in the press box then. But the last time I went to a game was probably two thousand. I was here working in Chicago. It was probably it was like a Thursday night game, uh, and had to sit in the stands. I never saw so many young women. 18, 19, 20 years old with babies mm-hmm. at the game in my life. And that's because, you know, sex is outlawed if you're in, in, in the Mormon religion. So, you know, you got, they all get married when they're 18. Yeah. Was that in your scouting reports too? He's, he's married. No, but I was, I was just shocked at, 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 it's like, I mean, I must've been just walking up and down the aisle. There must've been 20. Carrying babies. That's amazing. All right, everybody. That is it for our show today. Gabriel Talks Football. Greg and I will be back next week. We'll let you know what day, what time. Uh, Just follow Greg at Greg Gabe. That's two G's in the middle. And follow me at Barroom Network. We'll let you know there. And and thanks a lot for especially everybody who was with us live here and interacting with us. And those of you listening on demand, we thank you as well. Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you.